Welcome to the 41st meeting of Junto Club. Today's meeting starts with discussing losing the forest and the trees. Now this is a shoe-led meeting, so we're going financial for a lot of it. The focus of the episode is The Most Important Thing, a book by Howard Marks that gives some good tips for new investors. For any questions, comments, or if you'd like to rent on something important to you, email juntoclubpodcast at gmail.com. This is Junto Club. All right, so welcome to the 41st meeting of the Junto Club, uh, where we are inspired by the original uh, Junto Club founded by Benjamin Franklin around 200 years ago, and to discuss uh, topics, uh, I don't know, business, anything basically in their friends, uh, his friends want to talk about, uh, philosophy, uh, social, society issue, stuff like that, and then Anyway, today we're going to talk about actually the main topic for today is something, a book uh, called The Most Important Thing. Um, basically, it's an investing book by Howard Marks. And anyways, it, I find it interesting. It, it basically lines out uh, what to uh, focus on when you are making the investment decisions, basically. So yeah, anyway, um, however, before we start, uh, we usually start with a quote. But today's quote is from Charlie Munger. Uh, the modern day uh, Benjamin Franklin and let's see so today quote is quote uh, a more majority of life's errors are caused by forgetting what one is really trying to do end quote any thoughts was that missing the forest mm-hmm. for the trees same thing yeah I guess yeah no, I mean, I don't feel like this one needs any like deep insight to explain mm-hmm. it, right? Like some of those Ben Franklin ones we have, it's pretty straightforward, you know? It's easy when you're getting like kind of bogged down into the details to kind of sort of slowly wander off of what you're really trying to do, trying to solve a problem. You do something, you get a new problem, you start attacking that. And you, if you step back, you're like, we've kind of like, this doesn't really matter. It's not actually like no longer helping towards what we're, you know, working towards. Hmm. Okay. I, I mean, agree. I assume anyone who's like worked on like su- significant scale projects, I assume probably has had that happen to them. So, mm. okay, cool. I guess it's pretty straightforward and we don't need to go into more detail about it. <laughs> well, we can say, is it a majority of life's errors due to that? You know, if we're trying to get some controversy to make this more interesting, <laughs> that seems like a very strong statement. Is it something that happens? Yes. A majority of life's errors. I'm going to say no. I disagree. No, I think, um, I think a lot of times, uh, other stuff like life decisions, I guess, sometimes, even, for example, you're solving a problem, yes, uh, forget about forest for the tree. Uh, but in, in other life decisions, sometimes you usually, you just like day by day, right? You, a lot of times you don't focus on us, right? Focus on the, what you're writing, trying to do. Sometimes you don't even know like, what you really want, right? Mm hmm. There's a interesting uh, recently I heard something called mimet- mimetic theory of life, something like that. Mimetic theory. Have you guys heard about it? I have not. Basically, majority of people is a I think uh, one of the philosophers back in the day talking about a mimet- mimetic theory. Basically, a lot of people like want something because they usually like either 
either like is what society like say like you model after you either color other people once right so you mean that like, mimic other people's desires and basically like social influence you know stuff like getting rich getting famous and all this stuff and then then you might not really that might not be really what you want right even though you think i mean it's good to have right wealth is good to have but it might not be what you really want so yeah so i think that's for me that's what kind of related maybe like you are even yeah i, I mean it's high, before, higher higher than that higher level than like forgetting what you're trying to do is that don't know what you're trying to do i guess mm. well figuring out what you should be doing is is difficult but is that really fall under this you know no sometimes no, it's, it's just hard you know what from what like figuring out what you should do to achieve your goal to even figuring out what your goal should be can be like a challenge right like mm-hmm. i mean how many people are like you know looking for work that they find meaningful you know that something more than that just can you know provide enough so they can survive but something that gives them some sort of meaning and purpose in life or something they don't hate when they you know go do every day right mm-hmm. most people don't you know want work that they don't hate when they go to mm-hmm. every day but a lot of people struggle to find it you know mm-hmm. there's not just like something simple you can remember to be like oh yeah if i just remember this i suddenly don't hate my job right you just it's just a, it can be hard what about you guys have you guys figured out what you want I feel like I've been thinking about that more and more since finished. Cause I mean, the PhD provides like a very good amount of trees. Right. So at least like, like, so even if it's not like, even if you think about like your PhD and there isn't necessarily the perfect forest to provide you meaning, there's plenty of trees that can provide you like that day. Like, as we talked about, like, you know, you can pursue the, the day-to-day problems very easily and keep banging your head against the wall. But like, I feel like when you finish, it maybe is harder to like, it, it forces you to take like a larger, like, uh, I guess, try to view a larger scale, um, a larger scale, like what do I want out of my life? <laughs> mm. So, I mean, okay. I guess so, you can jump into work and do sort of the same thing, but I mean. So have you figured it out? What do you want? <laughs> oh, you got some way there. No, I mean, I think I have maybe more of an appreciation for like a well-rounded life. Just like, mm-hmm. you know, something you can look back and say like, okay, like I, you know, may, like I contributed to something positive, like professionally, like, mm-hmm you know, and maybe had like, you know, some successes there, but also, you know, that like, I'm not dying alone and I'm not, uh, you know, I made a, like I, I, and I had a lot of different experience. Like, I guess you try to, uh, appreciate experience for like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm glad I saw that or I'm glad I did that. I was going to say related to your grad school thing i think i had this conversation with my brother once a number of years ago because like basically you know he kind of finished all his schooling and stuff and he was just like in a job and i think it hit him maybe for the first time it wasn't something i'd really thought about that like at some point you get into like a job and you're like well if i don't do anything like if i don't take an initiative i could just like work here for 30 years until i like retire and like wait to die right like mm-hmm. 
like you kind of hit that point when you're in grad school or even college or whatever, you have these like near term big goals that mm-hmm. kind of, it's like a long-term goal, right? It's not like short-sighted, but like you're very much like have your life planned around. So you're not thinking about like, Oh, in general, what do I need to do with my life? You're just like, well, I just got to get to this finish line. And uh yeah. And once you actually kind of complete all those finish lines and you're just sort of in the adult sort of coasting stage, it's like, you know, a new reevaluation happens like, okay, now what? Hmm. Yeah. Cause the finish lines are more ambiguous or death. Like that's basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for, for people who are smarter and don't go to a PhD, you know, they reach that point when they're like 23 instead yeah, of, you know, exactly. 30 yeah. and they're like, Oh, like now I'm done with school making money, you know, what next? Yeah. True. I don't reach that point until like 33, so <laughs> 34. <laughs> anyway, so what about you, man? Did you figure out what you want? Uh, I think I got it fairly well figured out, but I also, mm. well, not from me, but my wife is still doing, she's about to start a residency thing. So I feel like I still have a lot of like these like in a few years, big mm. things that are mm-hmm. happening that like we have to base a lot of our life around that gotcha. kind of gives a similar momentum of like, we just got to mm. get through this. And then it's like the next, finally the clear stage of like, we're just coasting. Right. So I don't feel like I've been able to hit that coasting yet. Mm, that's good. That's good. So maybe all the, you know, maybe that will happen and I'll be so old. I'll start having like a midlife crisis or something, but we'll exactly. see. You can't always get Porsche then. <laughs> it'll be a tesla come on oh tesla no <laughs> you want tesla actually yeah well i would like well first of all i would like to live somewhere i don't need a car but if i assume i do need a car a high performance electric car would be very nice which mm. a tesla seems to be one of the better around for that but mm. that's going to be a few years so maybe who knows maybe ford or something will have something competitive okay speaking of tesla have you been tracking about tesla recently I saw the supposed leaks where Bill Gates and Tesla were texting or Elon were texting <laughs> yeah, each other, not Tesla. And and Elon's like, did you short Tesla 500 million? And Bill's like, sorry. <laughs> and I'm like, apparently there's someone said like someone from like the New York Times or something says it's like confirmed, but it's so surreal, right? Yeah. Just watching billionaires just like casually text about $500 million, like, you know, stock option stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I wasn't. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, you gonna say something, Mac? Mike? I mean, no. I I just saw like I I mean I didn't hear that. I actually just saw like Elon tweeted like some hate on Bill Gates. Like that's all. <laughs> I really, so this I think it was because of this, right? Okay. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because of this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, I was gonna like, say now Elon Musk hate nice short sellers on Tesla, basically. So. Yeah. I mean. Look, I get not being happy about it, but it's not like it hurts the company, right? And mm. so far, all the short sellers have been proven wrong because Tesla's stock just, you know, won't stop. But yeah, it's it not- doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. It's just like, it's also, it's that Bill Gates. Like, why are people like, you can use this money for other stuff. Why would you short Tesla? And Tesla is like, doing the most important thing for the environment kind of thing. And then you are trying, right? I mean, of course, that you know, battery could be, I mean, and it's, in uh, a lot of people think that EV is you know, good for and it's doing something for the environment, right? No, I don't. Of course, it's not going to completely solve the issue, but still, you don't want to 
it's just bad look, right? Now you are against climate change. Right. Well, I re- yeah, Elon said Tesla's doing more than any company to like help the climate crisis. I'm like, that's a little bit, and by that I mean a good bit of an exaggeration. Electric cars are definitely an improvement. Like the total carbon output when you factor in like the full production and usage is like like a quarter that of a gas car. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's also doing stuff like trying to make a tunnel that has cars drive through it instead of just being like a rail line, right? Which mm. is, you know, kind of contributing to the whole like we need cars everywhere kind of thought process. And we could do a lot more for the climate if we didn't build base our cities around cars in the first place. Mm-hmm. But but he's had both Tesla and then like his the battery stuff he does there, like he 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 has companies doing good things, so I don't want to hate on him too much, but not the most, right? Like mm. he's not taking the actions that are ideal for the climate, but he is helping. Not the most. So who is the most then? If you do have a counter example to that, uh, probably companies that are mass producing cheaper solar panels are probably having a much bigger impact on <laughs> the environment. Because mm. solar power has now basically killed the cost effectiveness of coal plants, mm. and uh, if that shit keeps going on, that might that might actually save us. <laughs> so Wait, companies not... that are working on like who, the companies who have been improving and mass and especially improving solar tech and getting that to production, mm. they're mucho okay. importo. What about even Tesla has a solar city? Did they require solar city? So are they not making solar panels? Uh, I know I heard something about like their Tesla solar tile roof things, mm. but as far as I know, that hasn't been like gotten on any sort of scale, but like produced or spread out, right? Like I'm not, mm. maybe that will become a thing, but like we have, there's companies that have like helped scale up solar power to be like a big, you know, portion mm. or in growing. So mm. that's one example. And there's probably some other companies people and groups that are doing other things that I don't know. I mean, there's a ton of companies working on green technology. I was, I was thinking about that as like a potential topic in the future, but Mm. like, you know, electric cars are great, but cars in general are very resource inefficient, even if they're, Mm. you know, pure electric power that's comes only from renewable energy. So. Mm -hmm. Cool. Anyway. So, I mean, Tesla related. <laughs> Tesla related. You got anything you else him, Tesla related? Yeah. Have you heard him buying a lot of, try to buy Twitter though? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Mike? I think Mike has a lot of views about it because you are a power user. No, no. I mean, it's just, it, I, I mean, I do, I, I use Twitter just to follow celebrities. So, I mean, I like. Which but, celebrities? Taylor Swift? Tay-Tay? I, I do follow Taylor Swift, yes. I mean, she she doesn't tweet very much. It's usually just when she has music coming out. But, uh, who else? Uh, Black I mean, Pink. I do follow Blackpink, yeah. Blackpink? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The K-pop group. So, no, yeah. I mean, it's just musicians, like, you know, mm. comedians. I mean, it's just, yeah. So, I mean, Twitter is my, like, and I will use Twitter, like, Trent, like, Twitter... Oh, comedian! Hold on, hold on, hold on, comedian. Did we talk about the Chris Rock's thing? Oh, like, we Chris Rock. We, we have haven't not, talked oh, about God. it, right? We have not talked about the slap. Yeah. So you, I you, feel like you we have... missed it. It's already come and gone, right? Yeah. Yeah, but still, still, I still want your perspective. You, 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 you are in the comedy group, right? You guys probably have a big conversation about it, right? I mean, not really. I mean, I, like oh. honestly, like a lot of people, like 
a lot of people were like, oh, it was staged. And it's like, well, it was not staged. Like, you know, it was pretty clear. That's my that... first thought. I thought it was staged. I was like, okay, this is probably staged. You know, it's going to come out. But yeah, pretty yeah. it was a real slap. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a real slap. And like, obviously, it hasn't done wonders for either of them. So it's, it was probably not staged. But mm. yeah. Well, yeah, you know, I thought I heard that Chris Rock's like first like perf- comedy performance afterwards was like super booked out. Oh really? Because everyone was like wanted to hear what he had to say, but apparently he just uh he was like I'll address he apparently he said something like, you know, I'll address it at some point in the future, but he wanted more time to kinda like think about it before he started making jokes, which is a mature response, although I think many people were kinda hoping he would start like, you know, dropping bombs on Will Smith because it'd be funny, but he's yeah. taking the high road. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, I mean, anything, like, I feel like a lot of comedians are a lot of the more respected comedians, yeah, we'll say, like, because, like, they'll, like, obviously, a lot of comedians deal with, like, depression and, like, different types of, like, anxiety and stuff, and, like, sometimes they'll talk about, like, there's something I'm dealing with that I want, like, want to bring on stage, but I want to make sure it's funny first and not just, like, a rant. Because, mm-hmm. like, in comedy, I think there's, like, a lot of, like, there's two, or, I mean, there's many schools of thought, but, like, uh, sometimes there's, like, a separation between people who, like, oh, like, I speak truth versus, like, I want to be, like, my primary goal is being funny here. Mm, like, right. y- you know, because some comedians will just, like, almost, like, make, feel like they're doing, like, a monologue as opposed to, like, I'm telling jokes. So. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's truth. So, they thought yeah. they, they want to, people to hear the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they use yeah. comedy to like you know make it people approachable and people actually listen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah. I think Chris Rock is maybe more of like you know, and like what if I try to do comedy, it's like yeah, the truth is maybe secondary to what's funny or what's gonna get a laugh. So, mm. <laughs> so okay, but, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know why, but the, when you say mentioned truth, uh, it kind of made me remind me remind me of a recent interview of a uh, Terry Crews. You know, the, the, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the big, I think he was a football player before, right? Or something. Yeah. Like that. And anyway, he was on Everyone Hates Chris. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Cool. Anyway, so he, he on his podcast, on his interview, he was talking about something called self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. Right. So he was talking about all about racism and all the other stuff. He says it's not rude to kind of, I, I think I'm paraphrasing kind of, it's not almost not all like bad things, like. Uh, evil, the cause, root cause of evil is like self righteousness, righteousness, mm-hmm. right? He's he's like, oh, all, you know, you, like, all, it's not like you are. So when you uh, something about like being victim, right? So victimology and stuff like that, right? If she, my people say, oh, I'm poor, so I can say stuff like that and stuff like that, and then it's oh, I'm right because uh, you know, self rights and even a lot of like. People committing like big, I guess, uh, back in the day, right? Uh, committing a lot of going to other countries and then try to commit wars and and uh, hurt other people, you know, try murder other people because they, oh, I'm I'm doing this right because you know I have, I I'm doing this right thing, right? So self righteousness, righteous, right, self righteousness. Anyway, the so crusades, yeah, it, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, it's more, yeah, it's more than uh, more than just like yeah stuff like that. So and that made me. Think about uh, the truth right you know, we try to tell people truth because you think this is the truth and you think it's the right so you want to force people force people in these and stuff like that so anyway mm-hmm. it's just something that i i haven't thought about before I was like, okay yeah right no i think terry cruz is 
probably on the money on about it because most people who do bad things don't think they're bad people, right? There are exactly. some, yeah. who's, but most people find a way to kind of justify their actions mm-hmm. and some sort of self-righteousness for everything from like a religious crusade to politics to mm-hmm. society harmed me. So it's my right to like get back at society, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. right? There's all sorts of crazy mental hoops, but it's that, that feeling of self-righteousness can very easily override, you know, what I would say is a much more, a, a better moral compass, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even right now, like even think, think about you know right now, a lot of people are like banning like Russian athletes for like competing in like tennis tournaments, right? Recently, he's like, is the right? They we're doing it because we think believe is the right thing to do, kind of in a way. Uh, maybe, maybe not. It's because sanction. They, they they know the. Okay, anyway, I'm I'm I think I'm stretching a little bit too far. So <laughs> let's go let's let's root back to Twitter. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Continue your Twitter stuff. Yeah, well no, I I was I mean I it just yeah. So I mean I use Twitter to so like I say, I get trending like the trending topics are like a good way sometimes a good way to be like, okay, this is what people are talking about, like in the news or whatever. So it's mm-hmm. like if I you know, it's like I'm not a person who's like always looking at the news on various like like you know cbs cnn what i like you know what fox whatever your preferred news sources like i'm not necessarily digging through those a ton so it's like it's a good way to be like okay this is what people are talking about like if i'm out and want to like mention something Mm. news related but um yeah and then i follow celebrities to basically see if Mm. you know a comedian i like has a new hour or a singer puts out new music or whatever so what do you think back stepping back to shu's original question on elon's like proposal of buy what what do y'all think the odds are that it was just a basic pump and dump scheme I've seen that as the very high likelihood of what it is or that's the theory a lot of people have but I mean it's it's entirely possible but he uh I don't know he uh, so he claims he wants to like buy it and take it private right yeah yeah so and I guess that would be... He's going to fire on board members, too. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like, he's... Oh, he's going to say... Basically, whoever who on the people are not going to make a decision to sell to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he... Uh, I, I could see it being a pump and dump type thing, but I don't know. I mean, it's a, he's just... Like, he's become sort of a face of, you know, someone who's, like, very for, like, against PC, like, cancel culture, and, you know, Mm. and so, I mean, if he were to, like, you know, uh, make Twitter, like, I mean, Twitter obviously has some controversy for, like, you know, how they enforce policy and what they allow on there and stuff like that, like, from both sides, so, I mean, if Elon were to buy it and take it private and make it, like, I guess, change that view i mean i mean that could be i mean the main the main thing yeah changing the view the main thing he wanted to buy is because i think one thing he said was a freedom speech right the yeah. uh, town square thing kind of thing mm-hmm. and then i yeah i don't think it's a pump and dump skin because uh this, the spot didn't the stock didn't really pump <laughs> right didn't really go up or down basically that pretty i mean all in terms of purchase is pretty flat right 
Well, and, just because it didn't work doesn't mean that wasn't what he was intending. Yeah, but, yeah. Also, yeah. also, I think he genuinely actually cared about Twitter because he's a power user and he uses. I think he, he's the one, the most uh, actually active person on Twitter, the most follow, and then he's whatever he says on Twitter is always had quite a big influence. And I think he's really like the product too. He has a lot of ideas how to improve stuff, like the mm-hmm. edit button and stuff like that. And yeah, I think he just want to. Yeah. So so basically, I yeah, I think no. he. Yeah, I agree with you that you know he probably does really care about Twitter, but it's possible that it's kind of yeah motivated for more than one reason. But like he bought a bunch of the stock, right? Then he announced that he would be willing to buy the rest for a higher price, and I think he said something along the lines of, "I feel like I remember this." Um, basically, like if Twitter denies his like thing, he might be forced to sell his shares or something, mm-hmm. which very much follows a pattern of like buy in, use his platform to like up the price and then you know get out which he's done with cryptocurrencies before mm-hmm. so yeah but you know. also he just right announced he i think filed with sec that he secured all all the fundings for buying 100 percent of twitter basically mm-hmm. that's true yeah and so so do you think um do you do you, so i guess the other question is that how how did he run so many companies at the same time <laughs> right? I SpaceX, guess he must be good at delegating because SpaceX, yeah. a boring company, uh, Neuralink, and you know, I mean, uh, what's called uh, the other stuff, Tesla, of course. Tesla, you know, don't forget about that one. Now he wants Twitter, and then what other company? He's and there's other stuff. What's, that, the one, think, what's his satellite company? Starlink or something? No, there's SpaceX. Uh, is Starlink SpaceX is the product of SpaceX. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. One product, yeah, and okay. then the other one is. Uh, I think he's doing a little bit with Open AI. I don't think he's doing much, but yeah, still. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he can't do everything, right? So he must, if nothing else, he must be able to hire good people, mm. you know, and delegate appropriately. Because obviously, it's impossible for one person to actually run, like, take the bulk of running all of those. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anything else? I mean, you guys, have you guys, anything else you want to rant about? You probably have something like over the week or something. That really can't mm-hmm. mind. Bothers you? Things you want to share? <laughs> Mike, come on. You got something to rant about, right? I'm just going to point this towards you so it doesn't come at me. Alright. Um, so, NBA playoffs. Um, <laughs> no. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I worked. I mean, like, and basically, like, I feel like I have been paying a lot of attention to, yeah, I mean, I'm paying too much attention to sports probably. Mm. So, okay. yeah, I mean, it's basically, I mean, the Celtics are up 3 0 over the Nets. That was so mad. Are All you right. devastated? Your team is choking. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> I mean that. If you're a sports fan, which I like, I'm sure ones of listeners are not, and like I know you guys aren't, but like KD, like in that series, like Kevin Durant, like was supposed to like lead the Brooklyn Nets, like uh, like he it was a chance for him to like lead a team. Uh, and he has not played well, so that's a mm. big story in the sports world. But is Kyrie Irving playing now? Yeah, he's back playing. Yeah, because so he had. A... A... Yeah, go ahead. 
Well, I was just going to say he had a f- huge first game and the Celtics stole it at the, like the Celtics won at the end, but I, I don't know that he's played nearly as well in games two and three, but he, mm. he had an amazing, like he was on fire in the fourth quarter of the first game, but yeah. Who's, who's on Celtics? Jason Tatum is, well, Jason, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. Oh, no, that just no names. No, they're, they're big names. I, I mean, <laughs> They're not yeah. KD big, big, or, uh, you know, LeBron James big. Okay, yeah, they're not. Yeah, but, I mean, they're both, like, I would <clears> say at least Tatum and Brown are top 20 NBA players. Yeah, and it's A-list, like KD, LeBron James, and these are B-list players, basically. Yeah. yeah. Right. There, there's, like, a difference between people who will be famous, like, amongst sports fans and people who are, like, famous amongst everyone, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair. Like that's like a that's like another level of fame. You can't expect you know everyone <laughs> to achieve. Yeah. So, but no, I mean, so the Celtics have uh, the Celtics are definitely a team. The Celtics are a good team, a particularly a good defensive team. Hmm. Okay. But yeah, Does defense Jake, win championships in basketball. That's uh, that has been said. Yes. So does what? Defense. defense win championships. That's what they say in football. Well, mm. at least college football. Mm. But yeah, you know, you know why they say it. And for football or basketball, both. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> because no part. Because defense is boring. Nobody care about defense. That's why uh, they keep saying it. <laughs> they will not point it out if anybody's doing it. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I I got you saying. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good philosophy. I mean, yeah. Even in investing too. So one of the most important thing is defensive. <laughs> what a smooth transition! This professional right here. Yeah, that's you right. You did it. All right, let's get into your book show. Yeah, all that's right, right. Cool. All right, so. The book, uh, yeah, so it's basically called the most important thing. And Howard Marks, uh, I think he's his memo is actually read by night uh, Warren Buffett uh, all the time. So, so anyway, so he has some good advice on what are the important things in investing. So, let's go straight in. The first, the most important, the most important thing is second level thinking. Any thoughts? What do you think? Investing. So I'm not a hundred percent sure what second level thinking is, but I'm going to yes. take a guess, which is like, is it like everyone thinks some company A is going to blow up? Yes. So let's say Tesla is going to ramp up production 200%, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everyone's buying up Tesla stock is the second level thinking like, well, who's supplying Tesla, the companies that are going to supply Tesla and then get big. And then, you mm-hmm. know, so you're kind of one step away from like the obvious trend. Yes. This that's one example. Okay. Is that like it in general? Or I mean how is it used more generally? Uh I think in this book, the the author, How Marx, he's he's he giving example saying that like, uh next stop like as you say in the company A in the Tesla is uh doing very well, you know, like very good, you know, people are buying it, so let's let's buy it, you know, it's it's it's, it's good company, so let's buy it, right? And the second level thinking kind of his example is like, oh, since everybody thinking that is good company, that means everybody's buying it. So that means we should not buy it because it's not a it's not a good uh uh let's see it's not good price right now for us buying basically right. Mm-hmm. Um. 
So and the other second level thinking in usually in terms of like uh in, in other in other aspects would be your example. Like your example say, oh yeah, this maybe we think about other companies that you know that's su- supplying like batteries and maybe lithium is a company a good buy right now because it's gonna you know in high demand, right? But anyway, he uh he framed it in terms of like because the market like the stock market is the stock market game like buying it is not really is is a like zero sum game right so there's a winners and losers losers right so to the if the if your goal is to achieve above average result so for example if you follow like her thinking like okay company A is good let's buy it just first level thinking you might do okay you might get average results but a successful investor want to achieve above average and by definition you cannot follow every everybody how everybody thinks by to uh you cannot achieve above average every result by following average people's thinking right so you need to think uh second level and does it make sense any thoughts it does make sense it, it yeah. does make sense yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so he's basically like you know like yeah. So you need to uh, another he he basically says phrase it concisely like to second level thinking is basically think different and better. So you have to think different from like first level thinkers or this. But you also your 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 thinking need to be better in a way too. So if you can't be better, you can't really beat other people basically. So one way, one, I guess, question about this or kind of angle, um, like, I mean, if, if the average thinker is doing something and they're right, hmm. you know, wouldn't you often lose not doing what the average thinker is doing? In which case, yeah. what, I, what kind of working towards is, what are you really looking is for when, when the mainstream is wrong? Is that what you're trying to identify specifically <clears throat> and say like, well, they're right about this, but it's already been bought up. So yeah. we've kind of missed, like there's a difference between like a missed opportunity versus mm-hmm. like, cause you weren't like on one of the front runners versus like, this is not cur- like, this is the market's gone wrong. People are being dumb. I'm going to like profit off that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So e- a lot of times, yes, sometimes. So this comes kind of kind to the other important things, right? <laughs> so, so a lot of times that you, cause the market is kind of going a cycle, right? So, uh, I mean, so you can, in good times, right? Right, right now, like before 2020, right? Right now, everybody, even right now, a year ago, like the stock market in a bull market, right? So if you just follow the, follow the trend, follow the market or follow what average people are doing, you know, everybody is really smart. Everybody is, is smart, looks very smart in a bull market, right? Cause you can't be wrong, right? You're just buying, you can go up, right? It doesn't matter. It's like, what you do, right? It's in like, in down cycles, like bear markets, when, when the market switches, then, then you know, like, uh, you know, who's doing good, who's, who's actually making good decisions, who's a good like, investor and stuff like that, right? So, so yes, yeah, so yeah. And, and also, I think one of the points that when the, mo- the money is made, now if you average, because you don't want to average, even if, if right now it's, even if, you know, uh, the average thing, average buyers, investors are right. If you buy in, 
you still get every result, right? Because you're just basically doing what everybody's doing, right? So by definition, you can't beat them if you just do what they are doing. So when the, so that's why you need to identify like, uh, when, as you said, identify when the market is, when everybody is, is wrong, right? So you want to think different and but better, right, in a way. So if you're not, you can think different, but it's not, if you, yeah, anyway, so I think I yeah, The better is very important because yeah. right. <laughs> you can't beat the average you know, thinker by doing what everyone else is doing, but you can mm-hmm. definitely do worse than average by doing other things. So yeah, exactly, exactly. You got to be careful. I guess it's mm-hmm. kind of, is it just, in some ways, is that just basically like we're going to take a high risk for a high reward? Oh, man, you're going to another most important thing now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <clears throat> actually, let me just go into it since you're talking about high reward. This is actually one thing I learned. So, so high risk, high reward. Actually, uh, so the most important thing is understanding risk, right? So you're talking about high risk, high reward. One thing I learned from the book is the if you stretch out the line uh, about like the risk, if you have the what you call the x and y axis, right? Mm-hmm. An x is the risk reward right the return is the y-axis you basically draw a straight line like up and down like almost like what do you call that like a straight line from x to y linears going up right up to the right (laughs) so it's like high resort high reward high risk high reward so if you purely making decision by in that graph you say oh okay let me just seek out the risky assets to buy right Right. And that's mm-hmm. what net graphs tell you, basically. Right. And that's what you said earlier. You, you, why don't you just, you, so that, does that mean you just might do buy high risk, high reward stuff, a strategy? Right. And mm-hmm. then one thing he pointed out actually is a, it's a bad strategy. It's a terrible strategy because net graph is misleading. Right. It's not plotting out the, like, variance, like the probability of the, the code. Uh, what kind of Gaussian dis- distribution around a high risk area? So basically, in the book, he actually uh, 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 overlay that graph with like a probability probability distribution to make it actually more accurate, right? So if you go to the higher 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 risk area, you see the even though the graph is like oh high reward, but around that reward, you actually have a Gaussian distribution of like the probability no, because your your risk can basically increase a lot, right? The variate, var- variation and your probability of return get like super, uh, the probability became super big, right? So anyway, so that's one thing. So yeah, so that's one thing that he talked about there. And, I, and that, made, that actually made me think a little bit different about risk, right? So yeah, high, high risk, high reward is not good, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any, yes. any thoughts on that? <laughs> I mean, everyone wants low risk, high reward, right? But, <laughs> exactly. but okay, what's, I mean, then what's the secret, right? Because a lot of people will say, well, if you just bought Vanguard 20 years ago and put all your money into some big index fund, which is like the generic case of mm-hmm. following the herd, the safe mm-hmm. average play, right? You came mm-hmm. out pretty good, mm-hmm. you know? So, and I agree with the concept of you can go different, try to, you know, deviate from market trends and try to beat it but is i mean if that's inherently risky right so what can you do that is both away from the average and low risk well you need to understand risk 
You need to understand risk. All right, come on, give us the secrets. Let's go. What's no the most secret. You just need to you need you need to do the homework to understand what risk is. When when the risk is appropriate or not. Yeah. Well, what, so so yeah. So one thing is understand risk coming tonight. What's the definition of risk? What's your thoughts? In this context, is it just yeah, investing star market? Yeah. Okay. Well, in this context, is risk like? The amount of money you have to invest and the likelihood that it goes away. Or... Mm-hmm. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I was thinking something like the probability you lose money on an investment, mm-hmm. something like right. that. Yeah, you right. guys are already good. You you guys are already good. And that's what right. his definition. I think a lot of in the market, a lot of like you when talking about. I think a lot of and he's back in the days. Uh, you know, people are always talking about volatility. Equate is is basically risk. Like a lot of people just like equate volatility with risk, mm-hmm. right? Which is very different, right? Yeah. So. <clears throat> so yeah. yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, so risk is also like understanding like how, like the I guess the price of a value of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So if you Anyway, actually, let me go on to other stuff that is the risk thing to do. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, like, very quickly, like, I'm Mm -hmm. thinking about, like, so risk in this context, like, if you invested in Bitcoin, like, 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. like, Bitcoin has always been an asset that's, like, very high volatility. And, like, I feel like now it is, like, a risky proposition because it's, like, very expensive, like, and it's still bouncing up. And, like, there's an opportunity to lose a lot of money and you need to invest a lot to gain a a lot of money. But back if you invested in, like, 10 years ago, like, I would say that's, like, low risk because it's, like, you could invest a little and it had the potential to, like, gain tons of it like you know the pizza is worth a hundred million dollars now so or whatever mm-hmm. it is so yeah so i guess that's like that is i guess investing in something different and it being low risk so can you repeat uh, what you said say? so like well I, about uh, bitcoin yeah like bitcoin 10 years ago i guess is investing in something different like it was not something people like a ton of people were or it may, I, I mean, I don't actually know how many people were investing in Bitcoin 10 years ago, but like, I feel like that may have been something different that you could have invested in that uh, had a lo- like low risk, but high reward type potential. Mm. So in that case, risk, I mean, I think it'd be fair to say, you know, early on before what we know, there was a high chance of your Bitcoin investment going, yeah. Of course, Can't yeah. Burn, but because it's low, you what well, you're basically saying is you're just going to make sure you got to consider how much you got to invest too, right? Like the yeah. total mm-hmm. amount you know put in because if it's not a lot of money, even if it's a big gamble, you just say whatever. Like I can afford to lose that easily, so it's low risk. Exactly. Yeah. It's like you as long as you're putting it like, you know, I mean, there's like, I I don't know much about it, but there's this notion of like penny socks or whatever, you know, like, you know, where it's like you can put in like, as long as you're putting in the small amount required to like, you know, purchase like a handful, like you, there's the potential for high reward. And it's like, yeah, if you lose, it's like, oh, well, like that isn't that much anyway. So same with like people who buy options like that are way out of the money right and then mm-hmm. like most of the time they just they just spent like 20 bucks and got nothing but maybe the stock blows up and they get a ton of money 
Yeah, it's sort of, I mean, it's sort of like gambling, right? I mean, but just with maybe better odds. Like, so if, so it's like you can gamble intelligently in a way. Like, so, so what's the mathematical way to, you know, to say this? So let's pretend we knew the probability of, you know, you losing money or whatever. Like, would mm-hmm. you just say, if you could calculate the expected value of mm-hmm. your return, you know, like you can imagine like two stocks could have the same expected value. Like on average, they will both give you 10% returns, but one, the almost like 95% of the time is going to give you between like 20 and 2% returns. And the other, you know, it could give you 50%. You could lose everything, but the expected value is the same. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you knew, if you somehow you see the future, how would you actually calculate risk? Well, the problem is that you, I think the main thing is that you can see in the future. It's, it's, it's a futile thing to do to predict in the future, right? To to do an expected value kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> well, I mean, what I, I think guess one I was meant- saying is even expected value isn't like an adequate measure yeah. of risk, no, right? No, so if, if we go yeah. beyond, like we can make general statements, right? Mm-hmm. But like, how do you get to like really calculating risk? You. Calculating, yeah, that's, I would say that's uh, one thing to do is expected value, right? The one way to do it, and that's one tool that you can use, but it doesn't mean you can just based on that, you need to make decision based on that. You need to understand what other scenario that could happen, like what's the worst case scenario, even worst case scenario. If, if you, even if you do worst case scenario, you might became like, too timid about putting money, right? So stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I'm not sure like, how to, I mean, the book I've got didn't, didn't really talk about like, oh, what's the like? How do you really calculate like risk specifically, right? Mm-hmm. But it's about understanding what are the possible things that could happen, and then try to avoid, I guess, the the risk of ruin, right? Like you lose everything since you you are so that's been you know you probably don't want to put you know all your money into one basket basically, right? To to uh, I think he gave a story about. One day there's a uh, one day a gambler like her uh, uh there's a race a single horse like just one horse race so he put all the money into it oh this horse is gonna win because it's only one single horse race but during yeah. the middle of the race the horse basically jumped over the fence and then ran away so <laughs> he lost all the money so <laughs> so right anything and it's like you there's a lot uh, a lot of risks you don't think about when you basically uh making decisions basically so you need to uh i guess uh protect the downside make sure you don't put all is the risk is lose every the, the biggest risk is lose what you're pulling right so if you can't afford to put everything in there just don't put everything in there you know and also you know at the same time then mike say now like, if you back in the day if you put like three dollars into bitcoin it's like you know <laughs> it's, it's it's small loss right so it's no big deal so yeah so that's why you don't, you don't, uh, like, you know, yeah, stuff like that. So anyway, so. All right. So um, what is the other most important thing? <laughs> let's go there back to, we talked about race already. So let's go back to the second, uh, not a second, but just number two. So the most important thing is understand market efficiency. Right. So have you guys heard about the market, the efficient market hypothesis? I've definitely heard the term. Yeah, I think I, I thought I heard you, Matt. You talked about it before. No, probably. I mean, so what, what does def- that? Yeah, go ahead. I see. I'm trying to remember 
I don't know exactly what it's referring to specifically because I feel like there's different ways you can interpret the market being efficient, right? Mm-hmm. Like within stocks, I mean, a lot of it is just that like the, isn't, isn't it related to basically the buy sell spread? Like, because the, there's a difference for any stock. There's like a difference between what people are buying and selling at, right? Okay. And it's considered, markets are considered efficient when they are able to close that price, get them close together. Mm. And if that price is far spread out, like maybe not a lot of people are trading on something, that's considered an inefficiency. But there's like a lot of context for like, I guess this, for what's efficient, right? So mm. I don't remember... Yeah, I don't I think, what the uh, term. But my understanding, I think basically market uh, efficient market hypothesis basically says, of course, the market is efficient, which means that all the price, like, the, the stock's price is already, I think that's basically what would you say kind of, but basically everything like price right now, how, how, how price, like, when the price of stock is the actual price of the stock kind of thing, like everybody, like everything's pricing, like everything, like mm. uh, investor expectations, and other stuff are already priced in, right? So it's not the, the price on the stock is efficient. This is the right price on the stock and everything. I'm not sure if you say right price, but basically pricing on the variables into the price, basically, right? Right, because sometimes people try to be like, well, you know, if you consider that, sometimes people are like, if you consider these other things, it should be higher or lower. But yeah. what you're saying is, no, those stock prices already consider those things. Yeah, not investor psychology, not honest uh, state of affairs, not whatever in, you know, in the world, stuff like that, is uh, this price is not price. It's not, the market is efficient because it adjusts itself based on all these variables, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so do, do you think that's a, that's a correct hypothesis? Most of the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> but all of the time, <laughs> yeah. So, so one thing he pointed out is, uh, yeah. So, sometimes I'm, I'm saying I'm not even I'm not even gonna say it's most of the time actually, because uh, so. But anyway, his point is that um, the whole reason is he had the the, the the hypothesis has to be wrong because if it's there's no inefficient in the market investors can really do better than average return, right? You can't really be, do average, be, they cannot get higher than average return if you if the market is efficient, basically. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what it's point. And then, so in other way, if you want to, if you want to make higher than average return, basically you need to look for an inefficiency in the market, basically. But, yeah. but. by correcting those inefficiencies and making money, aren't you fixing them and making the market more efficient right when you do that yeah probably so that's why that's why investing the rules that people tend like one strategy that's why strategies that investing strategies doesn't work all the time because the market kind of adapts itself now for example you say oh one strategy to buy high sell low if everybody adapts it and then I mean, then it might not be a good strategy ever tonight. Right? <laughs> buy high, sell low. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buy low, sell high. All night, you know. Uh, <laughs> if, if, I'm not listening to anything she's saying anymore. <laughs> Just <laughs> cutting uh, this if, off. Uh, if everybody adapts, like Warren Buffett's rules of night, when everybody's greedy, you know, you, you want to avoid the stock when, you know, um, sell when everybody's greedy and buy when everybody's like, scare and stuff like that if everybody adopts that rule around that strategy that might not be a good strategy anymore right so that's why even though the wisdom the conventional the wisdom of investing like doesn't really 
doesn't apply all the time, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. So yeah, no, no, because yeah, kind of the market kind of incorporates that as well. But it's inefficient in some way, but that's why there's some limitations that way it's not inefficient. So that's where you can make money, basically. Oh, yeah. All right. So the most important thing, the next most important thing is value. Any thoughts? That's obviously not true. All right. How old is this book? <laughs> is he going to argue the underlying value of a stock is important? It's 2022. We've moved beyond <laughs> that sort of first level thinking, right? That's, uh-huh. you know, I'm just, I'm kidding, but. <laughs> so to be fair, I think uh, he came from a school of something called value investing. That's what Bart Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger are doing, right? Value investing. Mm-hmm. So, I think you you are right. That you you are, but it depends now how you define value, right? So there's something called like just value, fundamental value. The other is like mm-hmm. growth, right? You take future into account. Like Tesla, people are not really buying Tesla. But, you know, it's the value because it has current value. It's basically betting that its future is going to make business, right? So, mm-hmm. but yeah, but first to start, like you need to start somewhere. You need to start with a fundamental value, basically. So one of the most important things is, is value because if you don't have that to start, like you just basically follow the herd, basically, right? You 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 it's hard you it'll be harder for you to make decisions if you don't really have a, a good understanding what's the value of the current value of the and it's the fundamental value of the stock, right? A company. Right. Right. So so I guess second order thinking and it is at least in part just being better at recognizing value than other people yeah yeah because uh because but the problem with valuing investing is boring kind of thing <laughs> it's kind of boring i mean that's why i don't i don't look at the start and try to calculate the value fundamental value i just want to you know what's the high right now i so but but since i'm not really managing my money i'm not just i'm also playing with small monies like a couple of dollars you know it's not a nice small risk right so mm-hmm. if Maybe when I became billionaire or something, I worry more worry about that. <laughs> when, not if. You heard it here first. When, yeah, who's guaranteed? <laughs> exactly. That's why I'm reading all these books. You know. <laughs> so, so yeah, no, understand value is a good thing. So, the sort of now we come to the next most important thing is the relationship between price and value, which is I think kind of obvious, right? So. Any thoughts on that? Do we need to go in more in-depth into the enterprise and value? I mean, that's just market efficiency, right? Same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like the difference between, like how accurate is the market actually pricing? At price mm-hmm. discovery is the term they use, right? How accurate is the market finding the real value slash price or mm-hmm. something? Mm-hmm. Cool. Now, since we talked about risk before, the other most important thing is to recognizing risk. Let me see. Let me let me take a look at the notes that I had, if I can explain this correctly. If not, we can just skip to the next one. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, and there's so many stuff I I read that a lot of times uh, I need to read a second time. I haven't really had a chance to read a second time, but for people that who are interested in going deeper, you just read a book. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Alan, mostly. So the, the, now that comes to, I think we. 
go back to a race in the later probably because a race is one of the, actually one of the very most important thing in investing actually because uh the whole investing thing is about uncertainty right and race is everything is uncertain and race is definitely because of uncertainty you can't predict the future so um so the most important thing the next most important thing is uh being attentive to cycles what do you think yeah i mean they always talk about the market sort of you know going a, a sort of the boom boom and bust type cycles and you know part of the mm-hmm. i guess part of the goal of the uh you know the government and different agencies is to sort of limit you know the degree to which those cycles like go very high and very low so i mean if you're an investor and you recognize okay the market's on the rise um yeah or you know basically you can sell when it gets to sort of the high point and or you know if you recognize okay uh we just had uh, an explosion here and this is sort of the basement then you can buy and assume that it's going to go back up so so it's so, just yeah, tuning into that <laughs> i feel like I feel like everyone says that or right. Like it's understood. Like everyone knows there's cycles, things go up and down, but I guess no one knows when the cycles, like there's no way to know when a cycle's like starting or ending or like, Mm -hmm. you know, how long it's going to last. What's the ceiling? What's the floor? Cause like, you know, I did some time series forecasting, right. For my dissertation. And there, what's interesting there is seasonality is something different than like cycles in that sort of literature. Seasonality is like a, is a cycle as we would normally say, but it has like a regular period and like a predictable response, but like you can have cycles that aren't seasonal. And so you can recognize that these cycles exist, but they're very hard to predict because, well, if they don't have a known period or expected, you know, highs or lows, you know, even if you can tell this happens, right. How do you, you know, gather, you know, understand a trend and forecast that forward, so, you know, it's tough, right? Because people always say, like, you know, in hindsight, we can look. It's one of those things in hindsight, you look at the price graph and you're like, oh, it shot up. And then you just need to sell when you shot up, right? But what, where you don't actually have any idea where that's going to cycle is going to end and go back down. Yeah, I think no one, no one can really predict uh Timing, time the market, basically, right? Cycle is now you try to time the market, which is uh, probably a very uh, best strategy anyway. No one can really do it consistently. Well, and... what they say is time in the market beats timing the market, right? You might have told me that, Shio. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, maybe use Warren Buffett. <laughs> <laughs> so so, yeah. so how does being attentive to cycles help then, right? Like it's... I mean, oh, it's isn't not, that kind I don't of think he's, uh, I think he's not timing, uh, he's not that you try to time the, time the market. I think he's trying to be aware that other people forgetting the cycles, basically. Mm. Right. So I think one thing he pointed out is be aware of where you are in the cycle right now. So you try to be more, pay attention, be more conservative. Right. And also at the same time, paying attention to other people, what other people are saying. So a lot of people, I think, forget about cycles. His point is that a lot of people forget about the cycles, basically. And they always say, oh, this time is different, right? When you hear that, now you need to be very afraid. <laughs> when this time, when like, actually, I think I did hear it about, too, 
inevitably, when you think about, okay, looks like this, the Bitcoin this time might be different, right? And uh, like we, we went through the tech bubble. So I said, like, okay, if everybody's aware of the tech bubble, right? Know about it, like on a, on a Great Depression or something. That means, you know, people should be smart now. Like they should be aware of this thing, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem is that people don't don't pay attention to history enough. And then they always say, oh, this time is different. That's when you need to like, start selling and then be more conservative and then wait for an opportunity that when, you know, so that's the time you can see, okay, that people are getting too excited about the market and maybe it's a good time to uh, be way more, be afraid right now, basically, mm-hmm. right? So anyway, you when you hear these four words, be very, very afraid. <laughs> that's, the, that's what he says. <laughs> All right. So, on the cycle thing, and then his next, then the most important thing is the be aware of the pendulum, right? Mm. So in the cycle, and then the pendulum is a bit different, right? Is what do you it? think? Yeah. So I say pendulum is like it's going one extreme to the other extreme, right? And then one thing he meant he mentioned the one extreme is that they don't really when they go to one extreme, they don't really stay in that one extreme for a long time. They really go swing back like very pretty very fast. Right, cycle is kind of go through cycle kind of slowly maybe, but pendulum like off times is related to cycle, but it's a little bit different. It's basically a different way of looking at things, right? Mm. What do you think about that? Are you saying pendulums how people behave, not like the market? It's how the market behaves. It's how the market behaves still. Well, which not... is fundamental because of how human behave. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't understand the difference from the cycle part. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm guessing Mike doesn't either based on the look on his face. Yeah. I, I think know. we don't really get into it. It's pretty related to cycle. It's just that in, for example, when market crashes, right? Mm-hmm. It recovers actually very fast, right? Just look at like, uh, I think that's what his point now. It's like going from one string to the other string. Just look at the March 20s, like, in the February, March 20s, right when the when the COVID hit, right the market basically crashes. But mm-hmm. in one week, now a couple of weeks later, it recovers again, like and, yeah. and it swing actually into the really all time high, right? Well, this is, in my opinion, the absolute best investment strategy <laughs> is very closely connected with this, which is market crashes are just like the best time to make money for free, exactly because there's only okay the market crashes, right? We have mm-hmm. two possibilities going towards the future. It's going to return or like the United States is going to collapse and your money is going to be worthless anyway. So either way, every time the market crashes, you should just be shoving money in. Mm-hmm. I remember, cause I remember when 08 happened, right? Like the house, you know, housing bubble caused like a big, the great, you know, recession. Right. And I remember thinking in like high school, like, this sucks because I don't have any money, but this would be so easy to make. And my dad did have money and mm-hmm. he did put like a lot of his money, more money into the stock market and he made a bunch off of it. But like when COVID happened, that's when I finally was like, oh, I got to like, not a ton, but I'm like, I got to put some money on this. And that's like when I got my Robinhood account mm-hmm. and like, you know, most of the other things I've done have not maybe a little bit, but like not much, but then like a few things like buying some plane, you know, Boeing and Delta 
you know, after COVID got big, right? That's like some of the, this is going to be like the easiest money I've ever made, right? Like, you know, prices did it, go. <clears throat> did it turn out good for you? Yeah. I mean, they still haven't, last I checked, because I don't actually look at it that often. They still haven't returned to their full original price, but like mm-hmm. they went up from like the COVID lows by a good bit. So I was like, you know, just, that's just money. Okay. So what's the, what, what was your return? <laughs> I would have to. <laughs> you want me to pull up my roster? Fifty percent, a hundred percent. I don't think no, those weren't crossing a hundred percent. The only mm-hmm. the only thing I've ever gotten past a hundred percent was this solar ETF I bought bef- when Trump was president before Biden got elected, and I I kicked myself for not putting more on that. You 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 didn't buy AMC? I did not buy AMC. You told me to buy AMC, and that time I remember it's right before the uh, during the crash, and I actually bought some, and then. He probably shot up tonight. And one point he was like almost shot up night to a maybe a few hundred percent. What did did you sell it? No. What, well it's still doing Cause, all right. Because I didn't put but... that much money into it, so I didn't really no no selling is like, yeah, what's the point? You know? I'm uh-huh. cost few hundred few few dollars. <laughs> well, AMC was another company, right? Like like flying, it's like an industry that was hit hard. And it's like, well, you just have to say, what's the risk of this whole like industry slash comp, like the major companies in this industry fall off and like to get, you know, yeah, get destroyed. I didn't think it was a high risk of that happening. So I would, mm-hmm. I would consider those very similar investments. Although AMC was a little, I mean, high AMC risk. got caught up with the GameStop <clears throat> stuff. So I feel like those peak <laughs> returns when you were like, you texted me, you were like, you were right about buying AMC. I'm like, I can't claim credit for this. This is a very <laughs> strange phenomenon that increased your potential, you know, returns way more than, uh, should have happened. But, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, anyway, so that's the pendulum thing. You know, market crashes, easiest money, right? So <laughs> yeah. when the market crashes, like, that's, I guess it sucks if you're already like fully in, like if you have all your money and stocks already, you can't do it, mm-hmm. right? Then you're screwed. But if you have, keep stuff out and, you know, wait for the market to crash. I mean, you can call that timing the market because it is, but it's, you know, yeah, it's reliable money when it happens. But you're waiting for it basically. But yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, cool. Um, all right. Let's move on to the next. The most important thing is, Combating negative negative influences. Actually, since we are running out of time, I think oh, basically, uh, negative influence. Basically, you know, just be aware of the psychology that influence other people. Mm. So, the first emotion that serves to understand is the desire for money and stuff like that. Anyway, just be aware of the negative influence on other people's emotions. Like one is influence, like influence, like ego, envy. Anyway. I think uh, I'm going to skip this one because we are running out of time. More time people to read the book. I think one thing I'll go into is being a contrarian. The most important thing is contrarianism. Any thoughts? Is, is it, it good or bad? perfectly, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you're trying to buck away from the, you know, beat the average, right? You got to be contrarian to some degree, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, uh, I think, I think uh, one thing I want to know about contrarianism is that most people understand contrarian just be different right you think different from other people and i think relate to the first one contrarian contrarian contrarianism actually means had to be different and different and better different and better right you still need to be better you need to be different maybe yeah 
contrarian maybe need to be different and right, actually. Right. You need to be different, but you need to be right. If you're wrong, you're like, you, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, the com, I, I mean, I think like almost all of these boil down to like the common wisdom can do like, you know, like the common wisdom is like, you know, basically two heads is better than one or like, you know, there's many studies showing like sort of the group consensus is often right, but you know, the group consensus is not perfect. So basically it's finding where the group consensus is wrong. Like, mm-hmm. that's like what the ide- ideal thing here is, is basically just like, like 80 to 90% of people are going this way, if, you know, and, and 80 to 90, say, you know, whatever, 80 to 90% of the time they're right, or some high percentage of the time they're right. Mm-hmm. So it's just, but it's like, if everyone is like sort of if 80 to 90% is right, then that's sort of your minimal gains, right? Like, that's where you might make a little bit of money, but you're not gonna make a lot. It's finding the 10% of the time where those 80 and 90 are wrong, and then you be right there. And then you can, as as you said, it's a zero-sum game, so you're taking money from 80 to 90% of people. <laughs> yeah. Well, <clears throat> a, a minor comment. Yeah. Dividends make stocks not quite zero you know, zero-sum, right? That's but fair. Yeah. Ignoring dividends, because who does dividends investing these mm. days, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> It's tricky because there's something special about the stock market is like, just because you're right doesn't mean you make money because you yep. only make a treating it as zero sum. You only make money when someone else agrees you're right and buys what you have. Mm-hmm. So, cause there's been plenty of people who are like, the market's being irrational. The market's wrong. They're misvaluing XYZ and then they lose money. And they continue to lose money as they yell, the market is being irrational, right? right? And so you could say the market's wrong all day long, but if no one's agreeing with you, if everyone's going against you, you might still just lose all your money. Exactly. Yeah. And that's so a, it's a tricky too. game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so <clears throat> just like Bitcoin, right? He's like, <laughs> are people, you, are people like against Bitcoin? Could be still be right, but the market is not, it's like, still going up right so it's not so it's it's a very hard to like it's also like one one psychology is like it's very hard for you to hold on to your belief to your independent it takes our courage to hold on <clears throat> hold on not to buy into bitcoin when everybody is buying it and these prices keep going up right and one one quote is like i think what Hold on. Something about Cog about. Hold on. Mm, for... Anyway, so basically, I, I think I'm not going to find, I can't find a quote. So basically, the quote is like, smart, what smart people do in the beginning, in a, every fool does in the end, right? Anyway, so it's because uh, a lot of people are just like, piling in because people are just you know even though you believe you're right and then take a long time and then you just you just like capitulate and just follow what people are doing basically right you you, you're not being contrarian enough i guess (laughs) independent but yeah and there's a lot of suffering the pain and sufferings you 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 need really hold on to your your belief independent belief basically right Mm. anyway yeah and it's a so, Only vaguely related, but I want to interject with a fun yes. anecdote now. Go ahead. Have y'all heard about the price of the first tweet NFT? Yes. 
and it lost 99% of its value and the guy tried to resell it. Did he ever sell it? Actually sell sure. it or did he just pull it off? Because I think he was talking about just like not, right? Because he's like, well, this would be like losing all my money. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, oof. Who could have guessed? Who would have thought that an <laughs> NFT of a tweet might not actually be worth millions of dollars? That's shocking. Was the first tweet? I mean, that could still be a big decision. I mean, good decision, right decision. Because uh, you didn't know, right? In the future, maybe he's going to be worth a lot more. It's true. NFTs, maybe they'll spike back up again. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> not, we've talked about NFTs before. We Actually, right now, it might be a good time to get into NFT because then the market is cooling. So maybe the price is maybe more fair now. It's better than it was. I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> That's all I'll say. All right. You 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 can be contrarian and uh, be different and better. This one's pretty. It's a pretty good split, right? Because you got like the people who are hyping it, but there's always a good chunk of people who are like, "This is a scam or stupid." So there was. Mm. It's not. There was never a clear consensus. I felt like of like the you know, from the overly online communities that I hear things from. But yeah. Actually, that's uh, that's kind of one of my motivation about reading this book is to try how <clears throat> basically like the last forty third forty try try to see like, how people what they learn from the past like thirty forty years are investing because mm-hmm. uh, they you know so I can maybe apply these to like, to now what's happening in the crypto space right so I have mm-hmm. these fundamentals so I can make better decisions hopefully you know. Anyway, a lot of it? people in the crypto space didn't come from like traditional investing, right? Yeah, so, exactly. So, so, so I mean, investing have been, you know, so people must have some good lessons, and then these are kind of some of them point that hopefully I can apply. So the, so now basically, now total and like, most important things, and then one, the last thing, two things I want to go over is the most important thing is appreciating the role of of and the role of luck. Right, so I think. What do you think? Yes. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna expand upon this a yeah. little bit more than Mike because I saw yes. an interesting video that I think is relevant for this. Okay. Yeah. So the guy tried two investment strategies. Mm. One, have, are you familiar with Wall Street Bets, the subreddit where people yes. make careful investments? Mm-hmm. So one, he made an algorithm that sort of picked stocks and invested based on wall street bets Mm. so he looked at he would look at like when people mentioned like a ticker and look at do a sentiment analysis on like the most upvoted comments and say oh people are talking positively about this i'll buy it people are talking negatively about this i'll now sell it whatever Mm -hmm. Um, and he compared this against the goldfish he had a camera pointed at a goldfish (laughs) tank and whether it was on the left or right side it would choose a stock to buy you know, based on it spent more time on which half of the tank. And I bet you can guess the result of the video about which strategy <laughs> gave higher returns. The it was, of course, the goldfish. So, you know, I think that's related to the, what you just said. The, yeah. <laughs> the most important thing is luck. <laughs> did, did the goldfish die? No, he bought what he did. The goldfish made money. The um, Wall Street's bet sentiment analysis lost money. And then he went spend like the several hundred dollars the goldfish made on like really nice fish tank and stuff, like new parts and treats nice. and stuff for the fish, because the fish earned it. So that was the fish's did money. Did you? Yeah. Did you remember the, the hamster thing we talked about a while ago? 
The hamster trader? No, hamster trader. I forget that. But I know the monkey trader is a very classic. Yeah, and then the hamster right? we talk about, and I, you actually on Twitter, and then he has a Twitter account. And I actually mm-hmm. like trading stocks, right? Going left and right. And he, he passed away sadly. So the internet was really sad because he was a very good trader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just based on like, <laughs> which way he goes, basically. And then, yeah, and the monkey is, uh, is another good example. And I, I've researched that done. Yeah, just a uh, monkey just uh, randomly throwing darts. They got a lot better than <laughs> yeah. Average. To be fair, I would expect Wall Street's bets. You know, I feel like looking at what Wall Street bets suggest and doing the opposite is probably a reliable strategy yeah. to make money. But <clears throat> so one thing I think the main thing is the when you like choose like financial advisors or something like uh, uh, listen to other people's advice, like a lot of money managers, you need to basically look uh, wider long time horizon right because uh it's very easy so for someone to be right to make a lot of money or better company and then he was able to make a lot of money in one instant in time right you maybe you have early investor in google and then but you know you make that bet and then you win win out big doesn't mean you are a good investor right because you only it's hard to do it consistently basically over time sorry so if you can do one yeah go ahead I was gonna say, is this a lot like the survivor? Was yeah, survivor, survivor kind of thing. Survivor, a little bias, bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if a thousand people say they're a genius investor and put all their money on something, and ten of nine hundred ninety lose everything, ten have their companies blow up, and then they say, "Look at me, you know, I'm a successful, really smart investor," but they could have just rolled the dice and happened to be the ones that got lucky, right? So. Yeah. So this come back to me, yeah, uh, role of luck and then stuff like that. Yeah, so another important thing I think we mentioned before is like, for example, my decision, you you told me to buy AMC, right? And I bought it and I said, you are right. But the result is, result is good. Doesn't mean your decision is right, right? Decision was good. So then that's one thing that keep emphasizing, basically, and I wrote, you make a decision, a lot of people like just based on evaluate a decision based on the outcome, right? Which is kind of not the right thing to do. You could make a good decision and the outcome could still be bad. Doesn't mean the decision is bad, right? I think we talked about that before many times. So. Speaking of bad decisions, not selling that AMC stock when it hit $40 <laughs> yes. was a bad decision. Yes, it was. I think it had gone to 50 or maybe, I don't know. It yeah. might, I, it did. It went higher than that. But you should have sold. I was lazy. Yeah. Like, I was just is... following Warren Buffett, just hold long term, which is not a good strategy. So yeah, I need. So now and that's why I'm reading this book so I can make better <laughs> decisions. Yeah, uh, that's right. So th- this is probably in general. I would assume if your stock price goes about ten <throat> x to just go, especially if nothing like we like special is happening with the company, mm-hmm. I would I would say just take your gains and sell. Uh, if you miss gains, that's okay. Yeah. Even if you don't want to sell all, maybe sell fifty percent of it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's something I should have. So that's, well, that's you, didn't, you, you, did. you, you, you didn't you didn't give me that advice. That's why no, that's I, not. I messed up. No, it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's greed. I mean, it's like you always like think it can go higher, but uh, I don't know. It's recognizing cycles because. Yeah. I should have sold. I should have sold Doge earlier. <laughs> oh, what's well, Doge now you learn. These days I haven't. Now you learn. Like thirteen cents, and it was at like seventy-five or something. 
now you learn and he's and he's better to lose all his money right now when you now when you have like more money in the game later when you're a billionaire yeah that's true yes when i'm a billionaire (laughs) so talking about luck actually talking about no 10k yeah exactly Sorry. So t- talking about luck, I want to go back to Elon Musk. Actually, he's like, <laughs> so a lot of you, a lot of businessmen, right? He said, like, okay, <clears throat> he did it once and he's good, you know. And then, but one thing about should we bet again, like shorting, should we shorting Tesla or any other stuff? Should you basically should you bet against like Elon Musk, right? The answer for now and is is no because he had done everything consistently good, right? Like. One's Tesla, SpaceX, you know, going to Mars, you know, and then the other companies. And I, so if Twitter get into his manage, it's very high, very likely that he's going to do a very good job because of his, you know, past performance consistently. So anyway, I will, I will give you that. And I think you're right. Like he's made, you know, several companies he's led have been successful. But what I would say is when people short Tesla, I don't think most of them think Tesla is like a bad company. Or it's been like have problems. Oh, it's just overpriced. Yeah, I think it's just they believe they are, you know, the market's <clears throat> being inefficient. They have <clears throat> a better valuation. This makes sense. You know? yeah. And once the market, you know, becomes rational again or gets things get fixed, they'll make money, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, I feel like Tesla stock's one of the instances of people shake their fists and say the market's wrong while they yeah. continue to lose money. Although, I mean, you know, Tesla's, I mean, the stock's like stopped going up like crazy, but it still stays like high, right? It hasn't yeah. actually like fallen down to what would be a normal price for a company with that sort of yeah revenue. I think one thing, one thing I worry about that is the Tesla SpaceX seems to have a, a big risk, right? Which is called the one man, one man risk, right? Mm-hmm. What happens if like Elon Musk, dies? Yeah, yeah. And then what happens to the company, right? So now because, <laughs> Because if he's a single person that actually made all these good decisions that made the company good, I mean, when he's gone, the, the company are very likely to basically crash, right? So, I mean, that's interesting. I feel like I, at at this point, I feel like Tesla should be okay without Elon, right? Like, what do they, is there that much they have to do besides just continuing to increase production? Their cars are popular. People want to buy them. I mean, well, I guess they got to continue developing in the future, right? Like they can't just sit on the same car forever. Yeah. But like that's Elon's not in there trying to engineer the next better Tesla, right? Like mm-hmm. they have the brand name, you know, maybe in decades it could fall off. But mostly I think the company could coast and just continue to grow even without, you know, the sort of Steve Jobs of cars or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, that's just something I was thinking about. I think... Apple's a good case of that, right? Because like Steve Jobs, sort of one man seems to have, it seemed like the story is Steve Jobs sort of one man led Apple to huge success, but he's gone and Apple's still doing fine, right? Like I, I feel mm-hmm. like once you get something established enough, it's kind of like, does it yeah. need it? But maybe some of the other newer companies like SpaceX, maybe that's not as established as Tesla. Like maybe that would have problems. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. All I know is if Tesla dropped like 50% after Elon died, I would strongly look at buying it <laughs> personally. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Cool. Cool. All well, right. Besides then, the last most important thing is just to put everything together. <laughs> yeah. Easier said than done. Yeah. Particularly <laughs> the luck part. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm just going to be hoping, you know, 
for that next big market crash, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. Don't actually hope for that. But if it happens, no, no, probably no. soon. I don't know. Maybe. I think, I think I mean, maybe a little one, but like a big one. I don't know. People say the housing's a bubble, but I don't. I don't think much of one. So. Hmm. Yeah, just pay attention to when people say this is different. This time different. That's that's when you need to be afraid. <laughs> right? Have okay. you have you guys heard anything like that? People uh, people are saying this time different. Not that Maybe I can you recall. are saying it yourself. Not that I can recall. Hmm. Well, you know, I've said it about the housing prices, but. So maybe it is a housing bubble. You say Nissan different? Prices, well, some people are like, this is a housing bubble, like, oh, wait, right? Like, prices are out of control. It's going to crash. And I don't think it's the same as 08 because I mm-hmm. think the fundamental cause of the prices are a shortage. But we've talked about housing before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is that at this time it's different or is there actually something different just happening, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I'll keep an eye out, though. All right. All right. That's a wrap. Junto Club.